thrilled today to have one of my personal <laughs> heroes here on the show with me today. It is Susan Thixton from The Truth About Pet Food. In case you don't know who this is, this is a person who is an advocate for pet parents and their rights to know what the hell is in the bag of dog food that you are feeding your dog. I think that uh, one of my favorite things about you is that I feel like we have a lot in common because your journey started by your pet um, basically getting cancer from a preservative that was in dog food and led you down this black hole and finding out all this information, which you knew darn well that us pet parents did not know. Um, and I kind of went down that same black hole except for the prescription meds and flea and tick yeah. uh, toxins and the heartworms and all this stuff that we put on our pets, which ended up killing my beloved pet. Um, so I feel like between the both of us, educating pet parents between about these two things that impact our pets' lives, our health, their health so much that we really have a chance of making a difference in their life. Don't you think? I hope so. That's Good. the goal. Good. That's so, the goal. Susan, thank you so much for being on my show today. Um, I also want to say thank you because I have a retail shop, Beautify the Beast. And it's mostly grooming and daycare, but we do a little bit of retail and all we do is carry um, natural supplements, treats and food. And instead of me having to go out there and try to figure out what foods are the best for our pet, you have done it for me and <laughs> us. So those of you who go... Um, it's funny because we're, I'm on the cannabis network, but, but radio network, but we talk so much about food. And the reason that I do this folks is because just like we want to use cannabis and CBD and these wonderful natural plants as medicine, we also can use our food as medicine and we can't do one without the other. I cannot beat cancer without having a raw or fresh food diet for my pets. I can't do it. So you've got to have them. They go together. So that's why we talk so much about it, um, about food and why it's so important and why we're going to keep on bringing on vets to talk about it who have been educated and understand this. But this woman knows all about it, also knows what the regulations are and why are these horrible things allowed in our pet food? Um, I don't know about you, but I bet you were like me. You thought we could go to the grocery store and take it, something for us or our pets off the shelf and buy it and feed it and not in a million years think that it's going to kill us or that it has something toxic in it or poison it, poisonous in it. Um, did, were you one of those people? Oh, absolutely, which led to my dog's death. You know, I was feeding the number one pet food. Now, this was 30 years ago, but so there weren't as many options, but it was the leading pet food in the country. Totally trusted it, would never have thought it. And my veterinarian, who I was fortunate enough to go to, knew more about pet food back then than most vets even do today, told me a chemical preservative in the pet food caused, she got cancer, bone cancer, caused her cancer. I had about two weeks to tell her goodbye. And the pet food company 
proudly, I made my first call to a pet food manufacturer at that time, and they proudly told me the food would stay fresh for 25 years. So, um, you know, those, that, those words just are seared into your brain along with... Basically, I, something that can be preserved for 25 years is not a food. It is no longer a food. It is a manufactured product that is being sold as a food. That's so there's, right. There's food spoils. Right. Yeah. It spoils and it should spoil. Um, and, you know, great. Refrigerator's great. You know, things keep things frozen or cool to, per, you know, keep it from not spoiling. But to put these chemical preservatives on it is killing our animals and causing disease. Um, you know, we know that after, let's see, after World War II, it was 85,000 new chemicals have been introduced into our food and personal care products. And guess what, folks? That was way back then. If we do find a chemical that hurts human beings, which we care about, forget about our pets, and it gets pulled off the market, they just turn around and change the, the makeup of that chemical and put another one in. The only way to keep us safe is if we become our own advocates. That's right. Because even if the FDA was on our side, which they are not, then there's no way they'd be able to do their job because they would constantly have to be testing these new chemicals. And by the time they go, yep, that one's dangerous, they've already created a new one. So the FDA, the FDA allows manufacturers to submit their own safety data. (laughs) generally recognized as safe. And as long as the company says, oh, yes, here, it's safe. Here's our testing to prove it. The FDA, you know, with with no verification of all of this data goes, okay, safe. And And in food it goes. And you are also on AFCO, which for our listeners is the – organization that oversees regulations for what goes into our pet food? AFCO is the Association of American Feed Control Officials. They, it is a private organization, but its membership consists of regulatory authorities, both at a state level and a federal level. Uh, And again, they are a private organization and they write the laws that regulate both pet food and animal feed. <laughs> and who's this? Hi, <laughs> this is Smidge. Smidge, her cat just joined us. Those of you who are listening <laughs> and were wondering what the heck that noise was, Smidge just jumped up on the chair behind yeah. and now hitting her in the head with the tail. I love it. <laughs> Adorable. And what are, so, I, I'm thinking that AFCO, which I already know the answer to this, but for our listeners, is a lot like the FDA, where they're not necessarily on our side either. Because, and the reason that I come to this conclusion, it's not just my opinion, but because of the, some of the ingredients that they do approve to go into our dog's food, which is very, to a layman person, we know that this is not good. So how the heck is it, is it in there? How are these cancer-causing chemicals if we know that they cause chemicals, these dyes, these preservatives, non-food items that are being put in our food, dog's food, how can that be safe if we've got someone who's looking out for it? 
Well, most of the membership of AFCO is not scientists or veterinarians. Most of them are agriculture people. They're ag people. Okay. So as an example, um, I don't know how many years ago this was, but at an AFCO meeting, they were up for discussion was the supplement, and it's mostly used in livestock feed, the supplement zinc hydroxychloride. And in the definition of this ingredient, it was allowed to contain like 90 parts per billion lead. And three veterinarians stood up and went, no, you can't allow this much lead in this one supplement because then you add the cumulative effect of another supplement with lead and 10 more supplements with lead. That's a lot of lead that this animal is ingesting every single day. Three vets stood up and said that. I shared, a scientist told me that zinc hydroxychloride is um, a sub, an ingredient that they use to clean the algae off of roofs in Florida, the mold and algae off of roofs in Florida. And, and I shared that with these ag people who are making the decision. Even though the three vets said no to it, they passed it anyway. So they, they, the individuals making the decisions that result in life and death decisions for our animals are not trained to really make those decisions. They can't, they don't have the understanding just the same way I'm not a vet and I can understand some, but I'm not trained in that. I'm trained in regulations so I shouldn't be the one making medical decisions for an animal, okay? That's to the professional. They have no business making these decisions, but yet they are given the authority to make these decisions. So basically, anybody can create a dog food and put it on the market? Oh, absolutely. Now, to make the claim complete and balanced, okay? To make that claim on a label, uh, the manufacturer has to meet the nutritional requirements, again, established by AFCO, um, by these same ag people. Now, there were uh, veterinarians that played a role in establishing these nutrient profiles, but this is 2021, those nutritional profiles are based on science uh, from the National Research Council from 2004 and 2005. It's very, very dated. They were also based on feed quality ingredients. So there's food and there's feed. Food is okay. Wait, wait, wait. we're gonna we're gonna we have to take a short break and we come okay. back. We're gonna talk about the difference between feed and food because you guys are probably going. What do you mean they're the same thing? No, they're no. not, and that's why they get treated <laughs> so differently. Which makes no sense because you said Afco's name is feed has feed, so they should be regulating or dealing with feed and not real food, which is what our dogs need. So when we come right back. We'll talk about the two differences. 
If you're like us, your pets are part of the family. That's why at CBD Dog Health, we created a line of human-grade, full-spectrum hemp products tailored specifically to your furry friend's needs. Whether they're suffering from fear of fireworks, arthritis from old age, or even seizures and cancer, research shows that a high-quality CBD oil can make a big difference for them. Enter coupon code RADIO at CBDDogHealth.com for 15% off your first order. That's R-A-D-I-O. CBD Dog Health, healing naturally. We're talking about the difference between, and this is a definition used, and it makes all the difference in the world, between the definition of feed and food according to the Department of Agriculture, correct? Well, there are federal laws that that define food. Food is uh, legally defined as anything that humans and animals consume. Okay, that's the legal federal law definition. However, pet foods are regulated as a feed. And the legal definition of a feed is it might abide by laws, but it might not. It's written in a little more legalese language than that, but that's what it boils down to. The FDA directly allows feed products to violate federal law, the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. The FDA allows feed, pet feed products with no disclosure to the consumer to contain diseased animals and animals that have died other than by slaughter. And to get graphic for one moment, a cow dies in a field and it lays there decomposing for three days. A truck comes and drags that decomposing animal carcass up into a trailer. That carcass is ground, cooked, and sold to pet owners in a pet food picture of a grilled steak on the label. People have to understand that. That yeah, people have to understand that the our pets get the worst of everything. I told you, you know, how this reminded me of the cannabis industry and CBD for pets, and it's the same thing. The flower where all the medicine is held gets you know harvested, chopped off, and made human medicine, and the rest of the plant gets sent off to someone else where they can make a pet product. I don't know about you guys, but everyone listening to this show, we don't want that. We That's want right. the best. Yeah. And to assume that, remember people, pets are considered property. So that's how everybody treats them. So you wonder why these big companies like Smuckers and Mars and help me, I'm forgetting them all now. Arena. Arena. All these Diamond. big, yeah. uh, Diamond, these big companies that have came and got into the pet industry, got into the pet industry because it's easy money. You can make complete crap, poisonous crap, and put it in a bag and put pretty pictures on it and make claims and sell it. And there is nothing, nothing anybody can do about it. It's um, recycled garbage directly allowed by the FDA and the FDA refuses, because we've asked, refuses to require disclosure, which ones are recycled garbage, which ones are using actual 
USDA inspected and passed meats because there are good companies out right. there. So we're not even asking them, hey, stop doing this terrible stuff. We're just saying, let us know which one is which. Yes, yes. And the, the FDA absolutely refuses to require that on pet food labels. Not only are they allowing these companies to violate federal law, and state law, as example, in the state of Florida, state law specific to feed or pet food, specific to pet food, says that a product cannot contain a diseased animal or an animal that has died other than by slaughter. And the state of Florida refuses, the State Department of Agriculture refuses to enforce that law and refuses to disclose this information to consumers. So technically, um, was it Hill's Science Diet? Was it them that used the deceased animals and had the um, pinobarbital? Um, uh, it was Avengers and it was Smucker's Brands. Okay, so Smucker's Brands. So l- l- technically, Smucker's selling those foods with the diseased animals in it in Florida. The Department of Agriculture should have done something about it. Absolutely. Because yes. they were breaking the law along with the fact that they were killing animals who ate it. And remember, this is the drug that we give animals when we euthanize them. So basically, not only are the animals sick or diseased, they've been euthanized and then put in your pet food and then baked at unbelievable temperatures. So imagine what that, that medicine, you know, became and then fed to your dog. And then we do have class action suits of pet owners that have come together to um, sue these companies. But again, your dog is considered property. So the only person who, again, can help uh, our pets is us. Right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Become educated about what you're giving them. Yeah. Right. And this is what blows my mind. And I know you brought this up. It's a great end. um, But... What I don't understand is that human beings are handling this poison food. And um, shoot, I remember- sold in your grocery store one aisle over from your food and you put this bag of diseased animals and animals that have died other than by slaughter into your shopping cart right next to your food. In a shitty bag that's already got air, it's already, you know, leaking or whatever. I mean, I know my good dogs have bag food. I got a open, broken bag of carnivore here right now. I got to hurry up and feed somebody. But yeah, handling. I remember my cousin Ronnie's kids going into the milk bone container, big giant box that he got at Mm -hmm. Costco and walking around with the milk bone. And of course, he's thinking it's good enough for my dog. It's good enough for my kid. No, folks. It's not. It's not even good enough for your dog. It's not a good enough for garbage. It is garbage. It is garbage. Yeah. Which I, I, that was an enlightenment because you go, why is this occurring? Why is this happening? Well, most people don't know better. Even our vets aren't taught about diet and nutrition. So they can't even go, hey, wait, no, this isn't right because they weren't taught what was right and what our pets need. Imagine the animals that die out in the field. That's one thing. 
Factory farming, I can't even imagine how many animals are diseased and dying every day. And you've got to get rid of those somehow. And that's what becomes our pet food. And you have a great story because it's funny because I remember putting something up about factory farming a couple of years ago. And I remember having someone comment, I don't think factory farming actually exists. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, it does exist. And it's terrible. It's killing our environment. It's killing us. It's killing our pets. It's awful. But the factory farming is bad. You have a story of, um, let's see, this man that, le- that lived across from a feedlot, correct? From a factory farm or feedlot that saw the diseased animals basically being dumped and sitting there. Did you have a story about uh, that? I have pictures, photographs that, of a gentleman who lived across the street from a rendering facility. Oh, where they taste those. It. But on the the waste disposal of dead animal carcasses, the the only statistic I can find is a 2004 statistic from the USDA that says. 4 billion, with a B, pounds of just dead animal carcasses have to be disposed of each year. That number does not include catastrophic events, such as uh, in 2018, I believe, Hurricane Florence came through North and South Carolina and just dumped boatloads of rain and caused flooding. And three million poultry died, and I don't know how many thousand hogs died. Well, they drowned in their confinement barns. When that water subsided and all of those animal carcasses were then decomposing in the bottom of the barn, they came in with bulldozers, and North and South Carolina Department of Agriculture's along with FDA approval, allowed all of that material to be bulldozed out, sent to a rendering plant, and made into pet food ingredients, again, with no disclosure to consumers. Insane. It's insane. And, you know, those of you who are feeding, um, you know, a kibble, it's okay. We've all done it. We've all been there. And if this is the first time you're hearing it, um, you can still make a change. You don't have to worry. We can we can move forward. But this is um, a disgusting practice and hurts everyone involved. Um, and I feel like us pet parents need to get behind what you're doing and become advocates. And to become advocates, um, it's kind of like a, you know, when the last time I heard you speak, someone raised their hand and go, what can we do? So when we get back um, after this break, we're going to talk about what can we do as pet parents? A, if you're feeding a kibble diet to know how to transition and what you can do. And as advocates, um, what can we do? How can we make a difference? We'll talk about that when we get right back. We basically um, have confirmation from our advocate here, uh, which basically is telling us about the, um, the problem with kibble. 
Um, not only does it lack so much nutritional content, it's a um, very processed, it's not, I don't like to call it a food because I feel like it's a non-food once it's done being processed. Even when you take um, the most expensive or even the brands that start, that don't use diseased animals, that do, you know, have good practices, once you make it into a kibble and bake it to such high temperatures, you've killed all that good nutrition and they have to turn around and put it back in synthetically. And then they still have to make it shelf stable. They still have to put it on your shelf for a long period of time because it's got to make it from the manufacturer to the distributor. It's got to sit on the truck. It's got to sit in the warehouses and then it finally makes it to your retail store or wherever you're you know, ordering it from, gets back in another hot truck and finally gets to you. Um, we can't survive off just eating a high processed uh, diet. We can't expect our pets to either. So what the hell does a pet parent do now? <laughs> um, and this, I remember being at this point. I mean, you were at this point. Yeah. Um, so she, you know, you became an advocate and got involved. Um, I became an advocate and got involved, but I'm on the pharmaceutical cannabis side of things and just trying to help people with the food part. But we can start by going to your website, The Truth About Pet Food. And you make a list every single year um, about basically the healthiest, best, would you call, pet foods that are out there for us? They are the products that I personally would trust to give my own pets. That was the biggest question. I take no money from industry. I am 100% consumer supported. So um, to support myself, I had to come up with something. And the most common question I get is, you know, what do you feed your own pets? Right. Just tell me, tell me. It's so overwhelming. And it is overwhelming. You about have to become a private detective to learn what is in your pet's food. So these products, um, every claim they make, you know, I ask them a long list of questions. Uh, are your ingredients human grade? Are your, um, you know, how often do you test? What is the country of origin? You know, it's a long list of questions. And based on their responses, they're required to then provide me verification of all of that. If they claim they use humanely raised meats, um, then they have to prove that to me and provide me the verification, so forth. So um, the list is once a year, uh, usually comes out in December every year. And um, thank you so much for doing that. You made my life so much easier. Um, <laughs> I take Susan's list and I take the um, A, who I can get in Florida because we're our stores are in Florida, but I then go to only the humane, humanely raised animals. And those are the brands that I carry in our stores um, because it's very important to me how those animals were um, brought up and lived and raised. Um, so thank you so much for doing that because it makes it so much easier. Um, and this is just starting, this is a starting point for you guys that are looking for a brand. Now, if you want to start by adding these fresh and awesome foods to the kibble that you're um, doing, that's a wonderful way to transition over. Her list, how much does it cost? I know you have like a range 
It's the minimum purchase price is $10. So 10 bucks, uh, guys, and you have a list of all the foods that you know work. And then you can choose from there. Um, It could be local. It could be what your local boutique store um, sells that you want to do. And then once you find that brand, you can go in and talk to those retail store owners who will be able to help you even more. Or if you do have an integrative or holistic vet who knows about diet and nutrition can help you or a nutritionist can help you then choose what kind of protein or which one would be best for what your pet needs. So thank you for doing that, for doing all the hard work for us. What's funny is that people might go, well, why is there a different list every single year? Well, I can answer that question. I don't know (laughs) if this is your reasoning, but for instance, as many of you know, one of our favorite brands, Answers Pet Food, was definitely on that list. And I know it was a big favorite of yours, but as we know in business, that uh, company has completely changed ownership and is no longer the company that we knew and trusted. So I'm going to assume that your next list is probably not going to have Answers Pet Food on it unless they can prove to you that they're doing all of the things that they claim. They, they've been removed from this year's list. Um, because so, the, the verification uh, and the response to all the questions was from someone who is no longer with the company. Right. So I had no choice but to remove them. Right. So that's why the list gets changed, even even within the middle of the year if it needs to. So um, it's definitely something you want to keep on checking because the best uh, the best companies do get sold and bought, and and sometimes the people that take over don't have the same intentions um, that you know the originals do. So I like that you update it every year. Um, what else can you tell pet parents that would help them transition over to a raw or fresh food diet? I think the I also want you to to um, let everyone know that fresh pet is not on that list. I'm finding that a lot of people who understand that that this makes sense to, they go, yes, of course, fresh food, that makes sense. And then go to the grocery store or your Target, you're gonna now see a freezer in the pet food aisle selling fresh pet. Fresh pet is not fresh food. It is a feed grade pet food. It is a feed-grade pet food. Um, I like to explain it as if you were to go to the deli and get a whole bunch of preserved meats and then grind them up, that it would be like that, that they're filled with preservatives. So it's not even considered food, guys. So why is it it's in your grocery store is beyond me. Uh, It's in your grocery store because the grocery store doesn't know better and they think they're offering something easy and convenient for you. So don't buy your dog food at a grocery store. That'll be the first thing that helps you. But anyway, don't Unless you're buying the individual ingredients. Exactly. That is also an option is to cook for your own pet. And I like knowing how to do that. It's very time consuming, but understanding it also helps you when you're going to pick a brand because you want to- My cooking has never killed anybody and pet (laughs) food can't make the same claim. I love it. You need a t-shirt that says that. (laughs) My cooking has never killed anyone. And that's true. We've get some, we don't know. We see, uh, you know, how many Dr. Marlene Siegel, who's been practicing for 40 years, who used to see four cancer patients every couple months, now sees eight to 10 a day. 
So the, the reason for that is because of what's being put in that kibble dog food that you are giving your dog and or the prescription med that you were giving your dog because of the irritation that the shitty dog food caused. <laughs> and now we've got bad medications and bad food and your poor pet has everything working against him. So sorry, guys, you're going to keep hearing me talk about food <laughs> and natural supplements until we're blue in the face. But then how can people find you and follow you and keep up with what you're doing? The website is truthaboutpetfood.com. No the in front of it. In fact, um, the trade association that represents the big feed manufacturers bought the domain the truth about pet food and then truthaboutpetfood.org and .net and redirected those domains to their website. Uh, which is a violation ethically for sure, but it is a violation of law. I checked into it. Um, They left it up for years. They have, I I don't even know if it's still up anymore, but uh, the website, my website is just truthaboutpetfood.com. Free newsletter, sign up to the newsletter. There are thousands and thousands of educational articles on there. There is a white paper, a very recently published white paper about the lack of regulation in pet food, uh, a PDF flyer that explains human grade and feed grade in detail. And all of these documents uh, provide links to evidence what I'm saying. Because often if somebody's hearing this for the first time, they think this lady is nuts. Um, this couldn't be true. Well, I have all the links to the evidence to prove that, yeah, this is all true. To FDA website, to government websites, you know, uh, evidencing all of this. So the, the resources on the website, all for free, um, are vast. And I want people to understand that um, people like Susan, um, you know, these big companies that own these pet brands, she's a thorn in their side. They want, and, and people like me, I know that there's a lot of pharmaceutical companies and doctors and associations that are trying to regulate the hemp industry who want me to shut the hell up. Um, but we are not going to shut up and we appreciate you spreading the message because it's really important. We have to become our pets advocates we have to become our own health advocates. There's no one who's going to look after you, your pets, or your family more than you. And we cannot trust what we see on our grocery store shelves. We sure as hell can't trust what we're buying on Amazon or online. So if you want to uh, have your pet stop itching, uh, have mysterious uh, rashes, not feel good, have diarrhea, you have to, you have to, you have to do your research and you have to find out what's causing it. And nine times out of 10, it's something you're putting in them or on them or their food. Thanks for listening. Make sure to rate, comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. And if you want your questions answered live, make sure to call in to 252-377-4555. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and at AngelaArtolino.com. 
And remember, you can always sign up for a full holistic consultation at cbddoghealth.com slash consultations. Introducing MycoDog, an award-winning line of medicinal mushroom extracts combined with adaptogens like ashwagandha, astragalus root, and bacopa monieri, made specifically for your pets. When it comes to mushrooms, sourcing really matters. Unlike other products on the market that are grown in China or elsewhere, the mushrooms in MycoDog tinctures are grown here in the United States to the highest quality standards. MycoDog offers three formulas designed to support senior dogs, as well as those suffering from dementia and canine cognitive disorder, breathing and respiratory issues, or autoimmune diseases and cancer. Use coupon code YNDPODCAST at MycoDog.com for 10% off these fantastic fungi. 